right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Yo! <laughs> on today's edition of RCST. Uh, A lot going on over the weekend. We had uh, Saturday was game two for KU in Puerto Rico. Game one against the Bahamian national team. Today was game two. Uh, We also have some Jalen Daniels news that uh, we'll get to hear. Lance Leipold audio that we've got on the show. David Lesky of Inside the Crown later this hour. Three RCST football trivia matchups. It is going to be a loaded show on today's RCST brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. All right, starting things off here, uh, I, I do want to get into recaps of Game 2 and Game 3 for the Puerto Rico trip. We'll talk more about the KU football, the Jalen Daniels stuff at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, but I do at least want to mention it now because I know uh, for a lot of people that's kind of sending the on KU the, football world into a tizzy. Yeah, <laughs> On the front of their minds. So um, basically Jalen Daniels, there, there was a picture this morning that was sent out of the quarterbacks warming up in their red jerseys. Yes. And... There was notably not. There was a no Jalen Daniels. Number six. Now that that tweet with that picture has since been deleted, and possibly reason why is I I don't know. Apparently, according to Lance Leipold today at the press conference, was that Jalen was at practice. He just wasn't like just participating in practice, right? Yeah. Um. So I would I would assume that means he was just there, like probably in plain clothes, or I guess. I guess. I I, I mean, either way, though, that is notable, though, that he's not oh, practicing, absolutely. right? Yeah. So it's something of note. Now, the comments from Lance Leipold don't sound overly concerning. No. Um, we'll talk more about it in the 5 o'clock hour. But he 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 basically, like, like the big part of the quote that I go back to is him being like, uh, if we're still talking about this in a week, then we'll dive deeper into it. Which kind of implies to me that he's almost not expecting it to be a big thing in a week. Yeah. Yeah, he basically just said that Jalen had some back tightness. Yeah. was exactly what he said about Which remember that. during the AFC Championship game, uh, game week last year, yeah. Travis Kelsey randomly had like back spasms one day and then yeah. he was fine the next day? Yeah, so I, I, that. I think it's... Yeah, I mean, I think the real concern here is obviously people jump to Jalen Daniels has not been healthy for an entire season for KU at any point in his career. And so that's obviously a concern. And I, and I also think that part of this that kind of maybe makes it a more of a even more of a bigger deal is the fact that you did have sort of that situation last season where I don't I don't even know how to describe it where Jalen gets injured yeah. then there was some misreporting a little bit or whatever there was some back and forth about how the nature of it whatever and I think maybe that in this maybe that makes KU and Lance Leipold and them even more wanting to try to insulate it and really just not really acknowledge it I guess or make a big deal out of it uh but yeah I mean it is it is something to note and I think here's what I'll say about this. This happened in the spring too. In spring ball and in fall camp, you see it a lot, and it's even happening with KU basketball actually with today with Arterio Morris, where guys have bumps and bruises. There are every everybody, you know, over, especially in a football, over the course of football season, everybody's dealing with something. Okay. And guess what? A lot of times it's not even on the injury report. It's just one of those things where you just go out and you just play. You just play through it. 
and I, I think this is probably a similar situation. Based off of the, the reference that you made to his comment about it, if we're talking about it a week, this sounds like a situation where maybe he just you know woke up on it wrong or whatever, and it was, it was a little tight on him this morning, and it's a situation where if it was a game day, he would have played, and there would not have been even any question about it. But it's fall camp. Jalen Daniels is the face of your program right now. You want to make sure that he is totally 100%, or in the words of Matt Gildersleeve, bulletproof going into the season. So why would you, if he's if he's even a little bit has any questions about something like that, why would you risk, even in, I mean, under, listen, even in a practice situation where generally you don't hit the quarterbacks anyways, just, you know, why would you risk it at this stage? Yeah, yeah. And there does, I, I think, become real conversations about, well, that's a little scary that the idea there is to make him bulletproof and for him to avoid injury, and there's already one, even if it is minor, this early on. So we'll talk more about that in the 5 o'clock hour. KU wrapped up their games in Puerto Rico. They're going to actually be flying out tomorrow, so they'll wrap up the trip tomorrow. Uh, but it was Game 2 on Saturday, Game 3 today, yep. Games 1 and 2 against the Bahamian national team. The Saturday game, you had Buddy Heald, who played for the first half, hopped on the broadcast in the third quarter, dropped a cuss word. That was funny. Um, <laughs> then... Uh, KU finished out the game and won, and then game the the game today. Uh, the Bahamian national team won in kind of a close game. Both games finished uh, two possession win for the yep. uh, team who won. Buddy Hield played again, again limited minutes, closer to being twenty minutes per game. Same for like Eric Gordon who played. Unfortunately, we did not get to see DeAndre Ayton. That would have been a fun matchup. Yeah, yeah. Which Hunter, Hunter Dickinson brought that up uh, in post game on Saturday about how he mm-hmm. was really looking forward to playing against him, and it just didn't happen for one reason or another. I mean, you know, listen, I'm sure, the, especially the NBA guys, I'm sure are in contact with their NBA teams, and the teams might be saying, "Hey, dude." Don't go out there and you know overly strain yourself in an exhibition offseason game. We need you ready for the you know for the NBA season, right? Yeah. So who, I mean, it, who knows? It could be a wide range of things as to reasons why you know guys played a little more, didn't play in the case of Aiton. So who knows? Yeah, a lot of reasons you could go with there. Uh, it is kind of funny to me that DeAndre Aiton was almost a Jayhawk, and <laughs> <laughs> you get him just like. KU's like, please, we want it. Like, almost it's, it's the same a- thing. Like, you go back to his recruiting, they're like, please, come play for KU. And he's like, oh, oh, maybe. And he's like, ah, I'm going to Arizona. And then with this, he's like, all right, please play against us. We want to see how Hunter Dickinson does against you. He's like, ah, oh, maybe. Ah, I'm good. You know? Yeah, I, I think Bill <laughs> Self. It's just a repeated I think, story. I think Bill Self said he was warming up yeah. today, but then obviously didn't play. So I think Gary Bedore of the Kansas City Stars down there termed it as he had a vigorous warm up. Is, is for like an hour before the, the the game, but then he ended up being in, in street clothes for it. So, uh, game two, uh, or I don't, I this is very confusing because it's game one against the Bahamian national team, but game two overall for Kansas. Yeah, I, I don't know I think how you I want to say game two I'll overall. Say Saturday game. Saturday game. Okay, there you go. Saturday, Saturday game. game let's start with that. Uh, Buddy Heald, very good at basketball. Obviously yeah. played limited. Um, KU ended up they they won the half I even think, when I he think, played. I think he had like. 20 points in the half? It was something like that. But, but again, KU was in front even in the first half. They ended up winning the game. Um, Hunter Dickinson was dominant in that yeah. game. That was yeah. everything you signed was, up for with Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, he was absolutely turned on. You know, I think I think both you and I made the comment after the game, the first game on Thursday, about how it kind of looked like Hunter Dickinson maybe wasn't really fully a full 100% going, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, on Saturday, it seemed like he was. 28 yes. points. He was he was exactly what you wanted to be. Very impressive. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we've and we've we've talked about it ad nauseum throughout the course of the offseason. You figure the floor for Hunter Dickinson per game is going to be like 15, 16 points, but he's going to have games like this where he can just take over, 
right? Especially depending on your opponent. If if your opponent doesn't have a good matchup for him, just keep feeding him, and he can and he can go out and get you thirty points, twenty eight points in this game. Yeah, he had twenty eight on eleven of thirteen shooting. Unbelievable efficiency. Even well, that's because he's shooting from two feet. Uh, one of two from three. How about that? <laughs> so yeah, he only missed one two point shot then. Uh, KJ Adams, who was great in the first game too, he was great in the second game. Scored seventeen more points. He had another corner three. He finished two for three from three over the three games. For what it's worth, uh, again another great. I mean, so he, hang on a second. Yeah, I was right. About you on Thursday or Wednesday, you asked me. We had the oh, conversation about how many threes three is he going to th- take, and I said three. Yeah, after the first game when he took two, you probably were not feeling great about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, he didn't end up taking any today. So that, that well, I was help. right. You were wrong. But I mean, that's that's something that the first two games was really notable that Hunter Dickinson and KJ Adams already have a nice little connection there. And game two was the highlight of it. They had a combined 45 points, 10 assists, and I think nine rebounds. Now, you want more rebounds. I think Bill Self mentioned that post game, but like they seem to be progressing very nicely that I'm having a lot less concerns about how that is going to fit. Yeah, to be honest with you, this this stretch of games in Puerto Rico has almost completely wiped away any concerns I had about KJ Adams and how he was going to fit into this team. I mean, he was pretty much outstanding over the course of all three games. He was phenomenal. The the post passing between him and Hunter Dickinson was really really in sync and incredible, and it was really really awesome to see. KJ see looks like he has been able to develop more of an outside game. He hit two threes on you know on three. I mean, listen, if KJ Adams is is doing that and he's shooting you know, 0.83s per game or one three per game, but he's hitting them at that rate. I think you sit there and you're very happy with that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's very, very impressive stuff. So I could not have been, whatever my expectations were for KJ Adams, they were blown out of the water over the course of these three games. He was was phenomenal, I think. And, And again, for me personally, any, even the slightest concern that I had about the possibility of him and Hunter Dickinson playing together with, you know, whatever lineup they want to roll out, has pretty much been wiped away. I thought he was phenomenal. I liked the passing between the two of them, whether it was KJ to yeah, Hunter or Hunter to KJ. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. And especially if Bill Self's going to be bringing back some of the high-low concepts, that's going to be very important to continue. Also important for him to, you know, he doesn't have to take a ton of threes, but just do it enough to respect it. Literally even, one per game. That's yeah. all he's got to do. When even in the, the most recent game today, he didn't score a ton, but uh, he hit a mid-range jump shot. So it doesn't even have to always be three-point jumpers like jump shots just in general just the threat of it exactly exactly uh but overall the second game very bad outside shooting they struggled from three i think there were 14 of 27 on free throws so that wasn't good they obviously shot great in the first game from both those areas way too many turnovers in the second game over 20 of them but also that's something that it's this early on like that's almost to be expected so not really worrisome um, some struggles defensively. Bill Self talked about some inconsistencies on that end, but we've also mentioned that coming into the week that they haven't really worked on their defense. They yeah. worked on their offense more. Yeah, I, I kept going back to that quote from Bill Self where he basically said, we haven't worked on defense at all. Yes. <laughs> that's not exactly what he said, but he, I think that's basically almost basically what he said. And I don't even think the defense was bad over the course of these days either. Like That almost gives you more hope that this can be an elite defense when you know yeah. they haven't really worked on it, and they still like they forced a ton of turnovers in all these games. Um, I think uh, uh, there, there was a mention from Bill Self that he went to the locker room and one of the coaches post-game, I think it was Doc Sadler, told him that man, we can really guard. Like We're going to be a really good defensive team if we can tighten this up. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, listen, you've got Dewan Harris, who is a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year caliber point guard. You have Arterio Morris, who has been praised for his defense. You have Kevin McCuller, arguably one of the best defenders in the Big 12 and probably in the country. 
And then you have a 7-2 Hunter Dickinson. Oh, and also KJ Adams, who is athletic enough to switch and guard different positions. I yeah. mean, it makes total sense why you would be an elite defensive team. Yes, it does. Uh, th- and they talked about that, too, on the broadcast. Like, you know, they were they were asking Christian Brown about it. Like, how much does that help having, you know, possibly two of the best five defenders in the country and having both those guys? Um, so, game two was really good. You found a way to win over the Bahamas, even though it was not as star-studded of a roster as you might have thought. They're still professional basketball players. Like, Tum Tum Nairn is not a name that, like, jumps out for NBA people because he's not in the NBA. But he was, like, a multi-year starter at Michigan State. Yeah. Now he's been in the pros for a handful of years. So, like, yeah. th- these are professional players. Like, you, I, I forget who, but you heard at one point, like, Brian mentioned in one of their players averaged 12 points per game in France, which is, like, a really tough league. Like, those are pro players. Those are real players, right? So, so oh, yeah. that is impressive. Um, And then game three, which happened earlier today, or I guess the today game, um... Very different for a couple reasons. One, the roster was better for the Bahamas. They had Eric Gordon in addition to Buddy Heald. Again, both of them coming limited in playtime, low 20 minutes. Um, Maybe more of a full roster for them completely. KU also had their weakest roster of any of the games. Artario Morris did not play. He had, uh, I I forget if it was like a bone bruise or what the terminology was, like in his knee or his leg. Something that we need to come up with a different phrase for that because bone bruise to me sounds like terrible, but it's not even that big of a deal. But, dude, like, your bone? Your bone is bruised? <laughs> that sounds horrible. That does sound worse than Go over the different techno- terminology well, Do you think that. it's actually, like, the bone is bruised, or do you think it's just, like, another way of saying, like, you kind of got an ouchie? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> you got a boo-boo? You got a boo-boo, like, and it's painful. It's like, you know, it's a Charlie horse, but, you know. But uh, Because Bill Self said, like, pregame, if it was a regular season game, he'd play. Yeah. But that, no need to risk it at this point in time. Uh, but that obviously, you know, because Dewan Harris in this game ended up playing like 35 minutes, which you can say, oh, this is a tell that Bill Self, like he went into his actual rotation this time. I don't think that's the case. You didn't no. have Arteria Morris. Um, Jamari McDowell at points was um, like bringing the ball up or initiating the offense, being the guy who, who brought it up from full court or caught it off the inbound or something like that, which I guess showed you, A, he's got more versatility to him than being just like a, a three and D. So that's good. But also... Uh, that, yeah, you were without one extra ball handler, and that, yeah, um, you know, probably hurt you in this game a little bit. Maybe you end up with more turnovers, and maybe you end up winning the game if Artario Morris is is active in this one. Uh, but Dewan was was awesome in this game, yeah. Because that, so I looked the first two games. Dewan Harris was really good in the first two games. I thought he had yeah. eighteen assists to, I don't know, it was like six turnovers. I want to say bunch of steals in the first bunch game. of steals. Yeah, um, but he only shot one of twelve from the floor. So it was like, A, you want him to be more aggressive. B, you want him to be more efficient. Well, this game, instead of going 1 of 12 the first two games, he went 10 of 14. Sheesh. So, I mean, he was unbelievable from the start, from the get-go. He hit three threes. He was 3 of 7 from downtown. He finished with 23 points in the game. Only two assists. Um, But I think this was good to see. Bill Self mentioned post-game after game two that he wanted to see Dewan being more aggressive. I think you saw some of that in this, but also, like, I expect Dewan to be closer to the guy we saw the first two games over the long haul of the season, but there will be moments, whether it's an individual game or a stretch of time in a game, where he has to do this and he will do this. Which that's exactly well, we that's exactly what he did last year. Yes, I mean he had multiple games last year where it was kind of the same deal, where he would catch fire, you know, for a, a small stretch of span. I mean, was it the what, what? I can't remember what game was it where he hit like five threes. Was it the Texas, Texas game? Tech? Yeah, it was oh, Texas five tech. for five against Tech. Yeah, yeah. So that that in Lubbock. That's a a microcosm of, I think, what could be like what he does in certain situations over the course of the whole season this year. So to me, I view Dewan absolutely right. I think he'll be much closer to what we saw in the first two games of being more of that facilitator. 
But if there is a game where, you know, maybe there is a game where in the regular season, El Marco Jackson's out, Arterio Morris is out, whatever, maybe, or, you know, somebody, somebody's not 100%, you know that Dewan Harris has that in him to sort of pick up the slack and, and, be a, and become a scorer. And I think Dewan Harris, and this is probably the reason why he's, Bill Self talks about him as his favorite player, mm-hmm. is because I think Dewan Harris is the type of guy that will just do whatever you tell him to do. Whatever Bill's, you know, pregame, whatever Bill Self says, hey, Dewan, we need more of this tonight. We need more facilitating. We need more of you initiating the offense. We need you to more go attack off the dribble. We need you shooting more threes. Whatever he, whatever Bill Self says, Dewan Harris will go out and, and, and do it at a high level. And I think that's what's most impressive. So, to me, that, that's how I kind of read this is it's Bill Self saying, hey, listen, Dewan, in this game, because of, you know, we're playing a defense that's going to be able to lock down Hunter Dickinson or we're playing somebody, whatever. We need you to do, do more of this, do more of that, whatever. He can go out and do that. And I think that's very, very impressive. I think it speaks to the quality of player that DeJuan Harris is. And obviously, from, from Bill Self's perspective, Bill Self knows that no matter what, whatever game plan he draws up, he knows it's going to be executed at a high level from the point guard position. Yes. Uh, other takeaways from today's game. I'll be honest, like I really I, – the DeJuan Harris, El Marco Jackson, that's my favorite backcourt pairing. It's just so much fun with the athleticism that El Marco provides and the ball pressure that you can have from those two guys. Uh, KJ hit the free throw line jumper we talked about earlier. Uh, Kevin McCuller had a great stat line. 19 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. Um, Hunter Dickinson, good again. 16 points, 9 rebounds. But yeah, man, it was it was good to see him over the course of the week. No sweeping takeaways, I think, from team yeah. perspective or individual I think, well, perspective. I will say, I think you learned a little. I think what's most exciting is you know, last year it was for KU a lot of games. It was Jalen Wilson needs to be turned on, otherwise it could be a bit of a slog. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think this is going to be a situation where you're going to have a cast of guys that could take over any given night. I mean, like I said, I think you know Hunter Dickinson can get you thirty. I, I basically anytime he wants to. I think it seems like Kevin McCuller is has clearly elevated his scoring. KJ Adams is in a position where it feels like he could maybe dominate if a team wants to put too much emphasis on guarding Hunter Dickinson. Dewan Harris had a game today where he was able to go off, you know. So, I, I that's my, that was kind of my big takeaway is, you know, last year it was Jalen needs to be turned on, and then that'll open up things for some of the other guys. This with this team, it feels like there's a a much wider cast of guys to where you can say, all right, you know, if a team wants to try to eliminate Hunter Dickinson, well, here's KJ Adams cutting and grading great passes from Hunter Dickinson. All right, if a team wants to try to eliminate Kevin McCuller on the wing. Okay, here comes El Marco Jackson slicing and dicing. Here comes Arturo Morris. You know, what, whatever. It doesn't feel like it's going to be a situation where a team is going to be able to kind of pinpoint one guy to take away, and that's going to kind of limit limit KU's offense. I think this season it feels like they have an opportunity to be much more wide open with game in, game out. Who, which guy can kind of be that guy to score for them? I mean, we didn't we didn't even talk about Nick Timberlake. He, no, he, he was, played yeah, pretty well. Really. Yeah, he only went four for twelve, so it doesn't jump off. But he was good from three. He he got a lot of rebounds. He played yeah. some good defense. Like yeah, I was impressed with him today too. Uh, so uh, we'll have plenty more talk about basketball, about Puerto Rico trip. We're gonna do some player deep dives uh, coming up later this week on RCST. But coming up next, we've got some uh, Lance Leipold audio. Then David Leskey of Inside the Crown joins us after that. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by David Lesky of Inside the Crown. The Royals are playing good baseball. They uh, were unstoppable last week. They had won seven straight games. They won the first game in Philadelphia after back-to-back sweeps, uh, and then they lost two in a row 
to the Phillies. So uh, I guess, David, the, the Royals were on pace to be the greatest team in baseball ever over the seven games, and then they lost two straight. What has gone wrong? Who needs to be fired for these last two games that they've lost? I think it's the fans. Okay. Um, we got too, <laughs> got too excited. Um, really, really ruined the vibe. <laughs> okay. Fan, blame the fans. That uh, probably not, not a oh, great yeah. thing to do. Yeah. That, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I've seen owners do that before. Doesn't go over well. So be careful. Be careful that no. Uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> why have the Royals been so much better from a win loss perspective over the last week and a half outside of just setting the bar so low? Well, I mean, that, that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> but look, seven and two in the last nine games is, is not, I mean, that, that's good for any team. Um, a couple of things. One, they're catching the ball exceptionally well. Um, I, I wasn't sure, and so I was looking at the Royals' defensive run. They're up to minus seven, and I say up to because they were in the minus 20s at some point. Um, I, I actually asked a question on Twitter, or whatever the network is called now, <laughs> um, of Sports Info Solutions about where they rank since the break. Royals have the best, the highest defensive run save number since the break. Um, wow. <clears throat> that's That's huge, and... All season long, they've rated well and out to above average and in Bangraft's defensive rating. And so it's always been kind of odd to me. Why is one so bad and the other two are so good? I mean, they were, I say rated well. Like, right now they're second in baseball and out to above average. And they've been top five or six all year. So a little bit odd. It looks like that's evening out. So catching the ball, throwing the ball from the outfield has been exceptional over the last while now, but specifically over the last week and a half. Starting pitching, though, isn't walking guys. And that's a big thing, too. I think that they, they rank, um, I believe they are second, maybe, maybe third best walk rate in baseball among starters since the All-Star break. That's, that's huge. I mean, you, you, you don't have to necessarily be good, but if you're going to give up hits and home runs, don't walk guys, and then the hits and home runs matter a little bit less. So that, that's happened. That's been a big part of it. And the offense has been better. I mean, it's... Really, all three phases of the game, other than, well, there's four phases if you split up pitching for starting in bullpen, but um, three of the four phases have been good, and and we're seeing the results of it. I think that um, we're seeing more adjustments made by the offense. You know, was, uh, was it Friday against NOLA? And, yeah, Friday and Saturday both. They were striking out a ton early, and then kind of changed things up and got to both starters, and that was that was really nice to see because they hadn't made a lot of adjustments this year. So all that, it's just, it's all working for them right now. And, and the other thing, sorry, I'm just yammering on now, but the other thing is they are using their athleticism and just showing that they're more athletic than the other team. <laughs> That's something they hadn't done. I, I had it in, uh, in today's weekend in review, but in the first 74 games, they attempted, well, they were 54 for 68 in steals. And then in the last 39 games, which is close to half of, of the first 74, they are 52 for 64. <laughs> so they have just said, hey, we're just going to run. We're just going to run. And they're not getting thrown out that often on the bases either. So they're, they're using that, that speed and athleticism really well, too. Um, Bobby Witt Jr. is obviously part of that speed and athleticism with his ability to you know steal bases, play defense, and everything. He uh, hit 327 in July. He's hitting 381 in August. He's got 
over a thousand OPS since July. Um, you know, th- this kind of follows the same path of, of what we've talked about, how, you know, last year uh, took a bit of, of time to heat up, but he's 23 years old now. And with what he's doing over the second half of this season, I guess uh, there, there's a chance that he just does the exact same thing next year. And then it's, it's kind of a reset into this, but I mean, if he keeps this up, he goes into 2024 as a top what player in Major League Baseball? Um, gosh, I haven't really thought about this with other players. So the conservative answer is top 15, um, which if that tells you anything, that's the conservative answer. Because right now I think he's 16th in baseball in wins above replacement on fan graphs at least. So that's with his first two months. <laughs> um that's crazy. Uh, I, I think the aggressive answer is top seven or eight. And I don't, I'm not saying that as a, like a, a, a shock take or anything. I think he could be a top seven or eight player in baseball next year. And if, if that's the case, like how much is that worth from a standpoint of raising the team's floor? Yeah, oh, I thought you were going to ask about contract. Yes. Um, well, it, has, uh, yeah. it raises it quite a bit. Um, I mean, that, that, look, that's part of how they've been better over the last week and a half. And, and they're 10 and 12 since the break, which is buoyed a lot by seven in a row. So <laughs> other than that, they're three and three and 12, which that's a little more like it. But um, having that guy and then also getting Vinny Pascutino back in the offense, that changes things quite a bit. That, I mean, look, they, they would not be where they are right now if Bobby Witt's first two months were like his last two months. So... Yeah, I mean, I think it raises the floor. It probably, to me, adds three or four wins, which is not doesn't sound like a lot over the course of a long season, but for one player, that's a that's a huge boost for sure. Okay, well, you you mentioned the contract, so I might as well bring it up. Do you think there's any chance that the Royals could come to an agreement this offseason? What would that look like? And then what do you think if we're fast-forwarding down the road when his arbitration and player control, all that stuff is expired, and that possible contract could look like? Yeah. Um, I think they can do it. I think that it's possible. There's something working either against them or for them, and I don't know the answer, but the Wits have money because Bobby Witt Jr.'s dad made a lot of money as well. Um, not as much as Junior's going to make, but but he made a lot of money in his playing career. So, and I mean, I think it's like twenty eight million or something like that. So it's not it's plenty of money. Um, they, so that that could work for the Royals, and maybe Bobby Witt Junior just likes Kansas City and isn't going to necessarily say I have to have the bit, biggest contract in baseball. Could also work against him saying, look, I don't need to sign a contract. If if I blow out, we've got all this money already, and he's already made a bunch of money with his signing bonus. So. It can go either way, and I don't know the answer. Um, what does it look like? That's such a great question because uh, it's hard to find comps. I mean, you can look at Julio Rodriguez, and I, and I think that that's a good starting point. And I, and I think the, the I don't know where it fits with Rodriguez, but the, the overarching theme is if you sign a contract, probably what you're doing, it's got to be super creative, and there's got to be outs on both sides, and I mean, all sorts of stuff. Off the top of my head, it, it would have to cover the last year of pre-arbitration, which let's call that a million, and then three arbitration years, which just for round numbers, let's say he makes five, 15, and 25 in those three years. So now we're at four years and $46 million before we buy out a free agent year. 
And that first free agent year is after is it after the next CBA. Yeah, it is. Let's assume for a minute that contract values go up. He's probably getting $35 million a year if he is what we think he is. So now we're doing $70 million for two years. Add that. It ends up being six years and $116 million. Okay, that buys out two years, but they want to do more than that. So then I think you look at, okay, it's a player option, team option, maybe you do both. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think you've got to find a deal that gets him to at least 10 years and at least probably $270 million, I would say, um, which means that's four more years at 100 $50 million. <laughs> um, I mean, it just, it gets crazy. It gets crazy. And, um, you know, the money at that time, that that's probably where it'll be. There should be a new stadium. There should be new revenue from that stadium. If, if what the, the numbers are telling us are, is truthful. So, but they can do it. It, it, it. From a, what's in the wallet standpoint, they can absolutely do it. I don't know if they will or if they should, but they can. Yeah, well, that's interesting, the number you put up, because I was I was thinking back to the uh, Wander Franco one from last year. Now, uh, Franco, when he signed that, higher, I don't know, it's, it's tough to say higher prospect pedigree than, than Bobby Witt, but he was being seen as, like, you know, by far yeah. number one, whereas Bobby Witt was maybe more number three, number five, right, which I don't know how much of a difference is there. I, yeah, he was one, two, or three in every list. He was, so, yeah. Pretty Pretty similar, but also Wit at this point, from compared to when Franco signed his, has like had more real MLB production at this point than yeah. when when Franco, and that was eleven one eighty two. So you right. might be onto something there. Which uh, yeah, that that's because uh, that, that paid for I think three pre arbitration years. Yeah, and if you do it with Wit now, that only pays for one. So you know, you go back. I, I think you could maybe get Bobby Wit for, and, and part of it is. I mean, just to be completely honest, the, the Latin American thing, um, Wander Franco doesn't, I don't think his family has as much money as the Wits. So when you put $182 million in front of them, it's hard to say no to that. And I, and I think that you see that from a lot of the Latin American players. They, you, you tend to see a lot of these contracts signed a little earlier because they don't have the bonuses that, for a lot of them, some of them, some, some do. Um, but I mean, the biggest Latin American science bonus you're seeing is Four million, three and a half million. I'm trying to think of. There's, there's there's some that are a little bit higher, probably, but roughly there. And then a lot of them. Look, Salvi got what ten thousand. Ronald Acuna Jr. was. I forgot the number, seventy thousand or something like that. That's a lot of money, but it's not generational money. It, it you know, if you offer a contract to somebody who hasn't made money, they're more likely to sign it than somebody who has. Yeah, uh, Brady. Singer is, I guess maybe he's the Bobby Witt of pitchers, not in terms of any of the monetary stuff or I don't know the, the level of talent necessarily. No offense to Brady Singer, um, but in terms of having maybe slow starts to seasons, we've now seen this the second straight year for him. I think he's got a three point four five second half ERA, near five ERA in the first half over the course of his career. Now, basically, just because of last year and this year, he just spun eight innings of three hit scoreless baseball in his most recent start. And 
I, I'm looking at like, you know, like Fangraphs has the stuff plus numbers. Uh, Brady Singer's got an 88. I think average for a starting pitcher is like 97. His pitching plus number, which that average is 100, is a 95. His sinker stuff is a 91. His slider's an 89. His changeup, which, albeit stuff plus, hasn't really caught up to, to changeup numbers, I don't think, yet, but it's, it's only a 50. How is he getting this done? Is he just a second-half pitcher? Why would that be? And what do you just kind of think of, of his results? Should we be skeptical at all? Well, I think there's there's reason for some skepticism because the stuff plus numbers I think are I don't know if they're accurate you know they're accurate obviously they they, they follow the model but I don't know I mean he's his stuff is just okay he gets by because he has really good movement which is part of stuff but not everything and when he struggles it's because his command is bad because he's throwing a ninety two ninety three mile per hour sinker in the middle of the strike zone or a slider that doesn't slide. And so um, I think you end up getting some situations where he gets hit hard because he's putting too many pitches in hitable spots when he's good, which we've seen a lot of. And, and part of that second half ERA, keep in mind, he went out, he had seven shutout innings in his first start against the Rays and then just got a barrage and gave up four runs and four batters. And then finished the eighth inning just fine and ended up giving up four runs in the eighth inning. So, um, that was kind of fluky, I think, but I, you know, I don't know what to think of him. In my, my opinion, I think I've gotten to the point on Singer that he is a big league starter, 100%. He, you can win with a rotation with Brady Singer, but he's not a one, he's not a two. He's a fringe three, which, again, every, you know, five starters. So to say a guy is a fringe three is not an insult. <laughs> you are one of the best of the best still. Um, the question is, what do you do with that guy? Do you trade him when the best offer comes? Maybe. Do you sign him to an extension? Maybe. Or do you just let him play out his free his arbitration years and then let him go? Maybe. <laughs> you know, I think there's an argument to be made for all of it. And it's, um, it's interesting because we go back to the trade deadline, which we haven't talked since then. Um, I realized that a few minutes ago. But there, the J.J. Piccolo said there were two deals. One fell apart. And one ran out of time. I would not be surprised. I think the two options, I think the one that ran out of time was Salvador Perez. Um, I think that one of the, one of the two players who could have fallen apart, it, to me, it's either Singer or Hernandez. I've heard both, which means that people are just speculating. So there's no information, <laughs> but, but I mean, it could be either one of those two. And, and I, it would not surprise me if a Singer deal fell apart because the world said, look, we got him for three more years. This is not worth, trading for something we don't want to trade. There's time in the offseason to get this done. There's time next year to get this done. So I think that the, I think that, that the answer might be trading him when, it, when it's all said and done. Uh, well, with Salvador Perez, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because at, at this point in time, he, he continues to kind of struggle post-All-Star break. I think 687 OPS uh, second half. Freddie Fermin is, is killing it, obviously, right now. MJ Melendez has... Uh, kind of, you know, buoyed things a little bit. It's not jumping off the page, but 751 OPS second half, like, that'll be good enough. Um, it works. Yeah. What is the likelihood then, do you think, if we go back to what you just said about Salvador Perez, that he gets traded in the offseason? Well, you know, it depends on Salvi, obviously. He's got 10 and 5 rights, so he can veto anything. Um, as of this particular moment, so 3, what, 56 on August 7th, 
I would say I am 55% he's getting traded and 45% staying, which is pretty close to 50-50. But I don't know. I just, I feel like that there are, and the Marlins thing is very real. I don't know how real the White Sox thing is. I think it's a Griffol connection, and I'm not sure how long Griffol is going to be there, if we're being honest. So that makes it tough. Um, But when teams have never been given the indication that the Royals would trade Salvador Perez, and now they have. So I wonder who comes out of the woodwork in the offseason to say, well, now hang on a second. We're interested. We didn't know it was possible. <laughs> so I, I think that could be the case. Um, and look, if you start to get other teams involved, the Royals made a lot of trades with the Padres. It could make some sense. They clearly know the Padres farm system. <laughs> I mean, they, they've, they've, like I said, they've done a lot of deals. The Marlins, um, you know, I, I could see the Rays getting interested, although I'd, I'd run from a trade with the Rays. Anybody who they're willing <laughs> to give up, you don't want. Anybody who they want, you want to keep. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's I think it's very there, – there, there's a higher likelihood he's on another team than on the Royals next year, as far as I can see it right now. All right, you have uh, actually a lot of good options you could go with here. Who is the player of the week? So I'm going to go with non-Bobby Witt. Um, even though, because he is the player of the week, again, it's boring, though. <laughs> the real answer, the fun answer, Freddie Fermin. He hit 400, had an 800 slugging percentage, had a 210 weighted runs created plus last week. Really good week. Uh, Salvi's out tonight. I haven't seen anything about an IELTS yet, but um, got hit in the hand yesterday. I I love Freddie, and he, he gets it. There are a couple... Singer and Reagan's both, and Reagan's goes tonight. They both had really good starts last week. Didn't give up a run, um, but let's give Freddie some love. Okay, I love that, and I love that we've gotten to a point where the Royals are so good they're boring. Like with Bob yes. Witt, that's a good thing. It's dull. It's like it's like the MVP. They should give the Shohei Otani Award to Shohei Otani and give somebody else the MVP. <laughs> it's the same thing. He is, Bobby Witt is Shohei Otani. That's I love what I just it. Said. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right, well, David, I appreciate the time as always, man. Make sure to subscribe to uh, his Substack Inside the Crown. Have a good rest of your day, and thanks for hopping on. Yep, thanks, Eric. All right, that's David Lesky, Inside the Crown, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We got uh, three RCSD football trivia matchups coming up. Uh, We're going to get more into the Jalen Daniels stuff, more Lance Leipold audio after that. Plenty to come here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk as we get ready for three RCST football trivia matchups on today's docket. Uh, we have our best one of the week right off the bat in terms of rankings. I mean, anytime you get number one versus number five, that's going to be like a college game day type of event. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I do think it is funny that it's just leading off the week for us. So I don't know if that's a good <laughs> or a bad thing. You know, you want to finish strongly, but also at the same point in time, draw the attention right away, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, this should be exciting. This should be an exciting matchup. These are two teams in Kyle and Blake that are both already guaranteed into the playoffs by winning. They've clinched their divisions already, uh, which makes this a bit of an interesting matchup because they're both already clinched. So that you're basically fighting for seeding at this point, right? I mean, if you're able to get a win here, if you're Kyle or if you're Blake, you're probably going to be certainly in the top four, I would think, at that point. Yeah. Uh, based off of being three zero and with however many points you've scored, so that's kind of what the that's kind of what the battle is here. Is you're fighting for seeding uh, and fighting for potentially having that first round bye as well. So there's definitely still a lot on the line, even though these are two guys that are already both in the playoffs. So you definitely don't want to overlook this matchup. But 
But yeah, there's a lot of firepower here. Blake has obviously been the best team, I think, over the course of the regular season so far. But listen, being the best in the regular season doesn't mean anything if you don't win in the postseason. So he, he you want to keep that form up if you're Blake. And then Kyle, remember, he had a big bounce back after his first week. So uh, can he keep that going and build some momentum, build some confidence going into the playoffs? Yeah. Uh, and by the way, RCST Football Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. Our top 10 rankings from last week, if you missed it, you can find uh, all the graphics at RCST1320. Uh, Blake is our number one team. He got two first-place votes. Our number two team just slightly is Michael Plank, who got a first-place vote. Jackson Schneider, who just beat him, is one spot behind him at number three. Eric Hansey's fourth. Isaac Henderson and Kyle Martin are tied fifth. Ryan Goodwin is seventh. Andrew Wymore's eighth. Kyle Coffey is ninth. Justin Nichols is tenth. And then Blake McFarland and Skinner Wenninger are each receiving votes in this event. But um, the top 10 rankings are different than, you know, the top 10 rankings, uh, it's like a third or fourth tiebreaker down the line for the playoff seeding. But the playoff seeding is just the division winners get top eight seeds, um, and then it goes by record for the division winners, and then total points is the tiebreaker. And that just determines the seeding among all the the division winners and, you know, kind of same for the at-large. Um, and then if there's, like, a tie with, oh, both of you guys have the same amount of points, then we go to, like, top ten ranking at that point. Uh, but Blake Farrell right now is the number one overall seed in that event, and Kyle Martin is the number five seed in that event. So uh, this one, if you can get that top four seed, that buy is worth so much. So that makes it uh, very, very important for who wins this matchup. RCST Football Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. They have dine-in, carry-out, catering, all available. Check out the outdoor patio, all the great food from the Bill Self mac and cheese, the Haney turkey stack, any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. Into our first matchup of the week. Our first trivia matchup of the week is our college game day matchup of the week. Uh, kind of a fun one to start because it's a top five matchup, our only top five of the week. Top ranked, Blake Farrell. Fifth ranked, Kyle Martin. Both of them have clinched their division. Both of them are 2-0 and overall. Both of them trying to finish out a perfect week. Blake has the most points of this competition. Kyle had a tough week one, but he had a really good week two to bounce up there with points. Now, uh, doesn't technically clinch... Yet, I do think if Blake wins this matchup and scores a certain amount of points, it would clinch a top four seed. Um, but either way, whoever wins this would be in great shape to have a top four seed, which earns that first round bye. And whoever loses is still going to have a shot at the top four seed, depending uh, what else happens the rest of the way. But either way, both of you guys will be in the playoffs. So, uh, Kyle, let's start with you. You had a great bounce back in week two from week one in terms of total points. You have clinched your division. How are you approaching this matchup this week? Yeah, uh, we're resting the starters this week, Derek. Uh, we we got to get ready for the playoffs. Got some study sessions planned uh, with some other participants who may or may not have clinched their divisions. Uh, and uh, looking forward to the bracket. So today's about having fun and see if we can sneak out a win. But expectations are, are rather low. <laughs> well, Blake, you have the most points in this competition so far. Uh, what's it going to take to keep this thing going? Are, are you doing anything special with, with studying or, or getting ready or just, you know, trying to get prepared the same way you have the first two weeks? Pretty much the same. I feel like the key to this whole competition is getting the right questions. So hope I keep getting the right into that. So we'll see. All right. Well, uh, Kyle, I'm going to give you the coin toss as the slightly lower ranked team. Do you want heads or tails? Uh, this coin only lands heads, so we'll stick with heads. It is heads. There we go. All right, Kyle, you won the toss. Do you want to go first or second? Uh, I'll go second again. Okay. 
That means, Blake, you'll start things off. We're going to start the first quarter of play. These are the easy questions. They are worth three points. Blake, for you, how many points did Kansas beat Iowa State by this past season after the Cyclones had plenty of field goal trouble in Lawrence? Is it three? That's right. Yeah, because they missed the field goal at the end of the game that would have tied it up. All right, maybe that should have been in the medium round. Well, uh, Kyle, this one to you. Your first question. How many points did Kansas beat West Virginia by in 2022 after Kobe Bryant sealed the game in overtime? It was 13. That's right, because they scored a touchdown and then uh, added the six with Kobe Bryant. That one maybe required a little bit of personal math, but you both got it. Three to three, the score through the first quarter. We head to quarter number two into the medium round. These are worth six points. Blake, Kansas lost two overtime games in a six and six year in 2006. One was to a Big 12 opponent. Another was to a non-conference opponent. I just need you to name one of the two teams they lost to overtime by in that 2006 season. Toledo. Toledo was correct. That was one of them. The other one was Nebraska from the Big 12. Quick hit for you there, and you take a 9-3 lead. Kyle, your second question in the medium round. Kansas had two FBS wins, so Division I FBS wins, during the 2014 season, which was the year that Charlie Weiss was fired and Clinton Bowen took over. Name one of the two FBS teams that they beat that year. Um, I feel like the Bowen win was Iowa State, so we'll go Iowa State. You nailed the Big 12 one. The non-conference one was also a max school. It was Central Michigan. And just like that, it is nine to nine, headed to the second half. Third quarter of play, we're all knotted up. Back to you, Blake, for seven points in the hard round. What was David Beatty's final win as a head coach at Kansas? So who did they beat for his final win at KU? Uh, PCU? That is right. I believe that was the butt fumble game, which was his uh, final win, which is uh, kind of fitting for a lot of ways. And that's a big seven for you. You take a 16-9 lead. Kyle, your hard question for seven points to tie us up into the really hard round. What was Les Miles' final win as head coach at Kansas? Uh... Should we get the... 10 seconds. Boston College. Mm. It was actually the Texas Tech win with the blocked field goal that they fumbled. Yep. Yep. All right, 16 to 9. So, Kyle, that means you'll have to hit the really hard to have a chance of winning, but you also need Blake to miss this one. Blake, that means if you hit this one, you clinch the win. And at that point, if you have a perfect score because you do have the most points, you would clinch the number one overall seed if you hit this correct question into the playoffs. All right, Blake, your question. 
Really hard round worth eight points. Kansas nearly defeated Iowa State in 2016, but eventually lost 31-24. to What Jayhawk had the lone sack recorded for the defense? Greg Dancer is Isaiah Bean. I do not believe of relation to Jason Bean, but yeah, Isaiah Bean is the correct answer there. Outside that one was really hard. Who? All right, Kyle, you have a chance to, to steal a win here in the really hard round. You're trailing 16 to 9, and this is worth eight points. Kyle, Kansas nearly defeated Iowa State in 2016, but lost 31 to 24. What Jayhawk wide receiver? Led the team in the game with 60 receiving yards. Uh-huh. Be hard. Probably not the guy I'm thinking of, so. 10 seconds. I don't know. Look, Hey, you are right. It was somebody that's further down on the depth chart. I don't know if this guy was fourth string, fifth string. Uh, Shaquem Barbell. Shaquem Barbell. Again, both of those names, probably not ones that, that come out to you right away when you're thinking back to 2016 Kansas. But that's all right. That's a good matchup. 16-9 to 9, the final score. Blake, you get the victory. I think it's it's looking like you probably are going to be – I think there's only one or two contestants that if they had a perfect score and one would even jump you for the one seed. So I do believe you have clinched with your total points a top four seed overall, which means a first-round buy. You're 3-0. and Congratulations on the win today. Thoughts on your uh, regular season performance here? Uh, so far, so good. I'm glad to get the win today. That was some tough, tough questions today. So I'm glad I could squeak out a victory. Uh, Kyle, uh, you, you said you were kind of resting the starters in this one. Maybe not as much prep as you would have wanted to. You, you still, you know, had nine points, which is a solid score each and every week. You're still going to be a top eight seed headed into the playoffs and and have that spot guaranteed. So, uh, any thoughts on on this performance and how that's going to affect your level of preparation moving into the postseason? Not a lot. I mean, I, I think, uh, like I mentioned, we've we've got some studying planned uh we'll we'll ramp it up now the playoffs are ahead of us i knew blake was a great competitor so uh other than my own personal studying uh opportunity there uh wasn't too worried about this particular matchup given i'd already clinched so yeah i I wish i would have gotten texas tech that seems like a not the best miss in the world but you know what at the end of the day i'm i'm comfortable with 16 to 9 and we'll go forward All right, well, that was a good first matchup uh, for the week. Guys, we appreciate it, and we'll see you both in the postseason. Thanks. Best of luck. Good job, Blake. Wow, so Blake continued. I mean, Blake was the only one with over 30 points through the first two weeks. He's now got 49 points, which, so by my count, the most points, Blake has 33 of them. Um, No, 49 with the win. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, through week two, through week two. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so now 49. Um, The others through week two. Michael Plank, and this is just regulation points. Michael Plank has 27 points. Jackson Schneider has 26. Andrew Wymore with 25. And then there's a collection of a bunch of others around 18 to 21. That means that 
Nobody can pass him unless they get a perfect score. Yeah, well, Mike is 1-1, so he wouldn't be able to pass him regardless, record-wise. True. Um, So Jackson would have to get a perfect score. And then Andrew Wymore has a loss as well. So, yeah, I guess Jackson is literally the only one who can pass him. Jackson has to get a perfect score. (laughs) Otherwise, Blake is the number one overall seed. But either way, Blake's a top two seed. And listen, knowing Jackson... He ain't getting a perfect score. <laughs> All right, Jackson. There's uh, <laughs> a little motivation to you for this week. All right, we have a, a second matchup coming up between Chris Yurchek and Garrett Hart, and uh, this will be a divisional matchup. Garrett trying to get to 2-1, and one, which would be helpful for the playoffs. Chris trying to hang on to any playoff hopes and uh, try to get his first win of 2023 football trivia. RCST football trivia brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy with all the custom awards and engraving experts in Lawrence right down the street from us here on 6th Street. They provide us with all these great prizes. They can do the same for you, whether it's a youth sports league, fantasy football league, just something you want to get as a, a, I don't know, a gag gift or something fun for somebody to have, uh, you know, from trophies to different types of babbles and, and things you can check out on their website or in person with Jayhawk Trophy. All right, to our second trivia matchup after this break with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk and RCST Football Trivia on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in as we get ready for our second trivia matchup of the day. Chris Yurchek, Garrett Hart here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. RCST Football Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. Uh, So far to this point, this is the uh, McDonald's Conference. Chris has gone 0-2 with 12 points. He's 0-1 in conference play. Garrett has gone 1-1 with a non-conference win, 0-1 in conference play. He has 18 total points. So, Chris, if, if he has any last chance, I don't know if a 1-2 team will make the playoffs. It's possible. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. hard, but it's possible. Yeah, it's one of those things where we really won't know until everybody's playing. Yes, right? correct. So, it's, it's definitely possible. If it is going to happen, Chris would need to beat Garrett. That would help because it would yeah. bring make two 1-2 and two teams as opposed to a 2-1 and one team. But if Garrett wins this matchup, he'd be 2-1. and one. And uh, that would put him in really good shape to to possibly make the playoffs. Again, not a guarantee, but yeah. uh, that would at least put him in the running here. So this is a big matchup with, with possible playoff implications. Yeah, every point, every question matters at this point, right? Like, you're mm-hmm. not just playing. Like, you want to win, obviously. And in this case, if you're Chris, you need to win. Or if Garrett, you probably need to win, too. But not only do you need to win, but it's how many points can you score, too, right? So there's more to it than just, than just needing to win the game. You really need to put up some points, too, if you want to have a chance. Because if there's a bunch of 2-1 and one teams... That could be the difference, right? So even if you did go two and one, but you won one of your matchups like six to three or something like that, that might not be good enough. You got to be able to put up more points than that. Yes. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, Chris, obviously, you know, even if you can't make the playoffs, you're playing for pride here, right? Like this is your oh, yeah. your rivalry game. You're you're four and seven. Even if you can't make a bowl game, you want to beat your rival. Yeah, you're four you and know. seven, and your opponent's five and six. Not that you keep them out of a bowl. These game. two guys are rivals. I don't know if they've even ever met before, <laughs> but still. It's, it's the same thing. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the pride principle. factor. Yeah, yeah it principle. is the principle. Uh, okay, let's get into uh, our first matchup of the day. Right before we do that, though, uh, RCST Trivia brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. In 2023, Johnny's Tavern is celebrating its 70th year anniversary, and that's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's throughout the year. Stay tuned for more details about a 70th year anniversary cele- uh, celebration at the original location in North Lawrence. There are now 13 locations of Johnny's from Topeka to the newest store in Rainbow, Missouri, and again, that OG spot in North Lawrence. Try all the great food, try all the great beer, including Blue Collar Lager, a beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. Chris Yurchak, Garrett Hart, 
And uh, Chris, I, I kind of want to start with you here. You're 0-2 headed into this thing. Obviously, there is a pride factor trying to get a victory. We don't know how it's going to work with the playoffs. We, we've never done this format specifically for the playoffs before. So for all we know, if you get a win today with the right point total, 1-2 and two could be good enough to, to get one of those you know final playoff spots with the at-larges. Uh, but, but what has been your approach into this third matchup here in terms of you know not knowing if a win could put you in or it might not and, and how you're going to value this matchup? You know, it's been a pretty busy few weeks for me, just bad timing, so I haven't gotten the study in that I wanted to or probably needed to. But as I say in all these events, I'm just here for the T-shirt and I already got that locked up, so let's have some fun. That's right. It's all the cherry on top after that. Garrett, you're 1-1, one and one, so a win today would put you at 2-1, and one, which, you know, if 1-2 if and two is going to be even a possibility to get you in as, as one of the last playoff spots or two, 2-1 two and one would certainly make you feel like you're in a good position to at least have a chance at making the playoffs. Do you feel any pressure on today's performance? Uh, not really. I know that when you guys sent out like your last playoff prediction, not this week, the week before, I was like number 11 or 12, and I was on the other side of it this week. So just kind of fighting for my spot. But in terms of pressure, no, not a whole lot, I don't feel like. Yeah, those are the uh, if the playoffs started today things, which, yeah, if you win today, then you'd be back in that playoff spot. So I, I guess it kind of all depends on, on what happens this week. We don't know how some of these matchups are going to go. Uh, but, Chris, since since you're trying to get off the schneid here, you're trying to get your first win of trivia, uh, I'm going to give you the coin toss here, or at least trivia for, for this year. You had multiple of them last year and multiple in basketball. Nonetheless, uh, do you want heads or tails? Well, I know it's always heads, but let's stick with my go-to and tails. <laughs> That's what our earlier opponents said, and it was heads. But this time, it is tails. You called it perfectly. Uh, So, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, Let's go go first. All right. First it is. Your dog is so excited about you going first. See, you knew the coin toss. There we go. There we go. Okay. Uh, That means, Chris, you're going to start things off in the easy round. These are worth three points in the first quarter. Chris, for you, with the same last name as me... This KU defensive end was named All Big 12 second team in 2021. Kyron Johnson. That's right. Kyron Johnson was the correct answer there. Had a nice season in year one of the Lance Leipold era. All right, Garrett, your first question for three points. The son of a 1990s Kansas safety with a last name that starts with L, this Jayhawk receiver earned all Big 12 honorable mention in 2021. Tony Lasseter. That's right. And uh, Quentin Lasseter, the younger brothers on the team this year, is defensive back. All right, 3-3 three to three is the score through the first quarter. We moved to the second quarter. This is the medium round there where six points. Every point matters at this point because total points are the tiebreaker if you have the same record as someone. Okay, uh, Chris, your question. A local Lorenzian, this Jayhawk safety earned all Big 12 honorable mention in 2017. Ten seconds. Smithson. Correct answer was former Free State Firebird Bryce Tornaden. Yeah. 
that one rings a bell now. Former high school teammates with uh, Joe Janine, who was a linebacker with him. All right, Garrett, your question for six points in the medium round to take the lead at halftime. This Jayhawk receiver, who later transferred to Northwestern, was all Big 12 honorable mention in 2018. That'd be uh, Stephon Robinson. That was Stephon Robinson. He was a big play receiver. That was a fun year with uh, those receivers, including Stephon Robinson and Carter Stanley, what they were able to uh, produce that year. All right, you take a 9-3 to lead into the second half. Chris, you can go in front if you hit this hard question. It's worth seven points. This Kansas defensive end earned Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week in 2005 for his November 5th performance as KU beat Nebraska. has not been my year in football trivia. <laughs> like you said, sometimes the questions just don't roll your way. Uh, it's not uh, McClinton. The right one here is Charlton Keith. Yep. Tip of my tongue. Yep. Just couldn't think of it that time. Uh, and that was obviously a very notable game with KU beating Nebraska for the first time in forever. Okay, Garrett, if you hit this question, you secure the victory. And set yourself up that, you know, 2-1 and one is going to be in the running to, to make the playoffs here. So, Garrett, your question. This Kansas corner earned Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week in 2014 for his September 6th performance as KU beat Southeast Missouri State. A little different in the opponents. You said the year on that was 2014? Correct. Okay. Corner in 2014. Ten seconds. Um, Fish Metzen. Nope, this one was Dexter McDonald's. Dexter McDonald's. All right, it's nine to three headed into the fourth quarter. These are worth eight points. Chris, you got a chance to steal a win right here if you can get this right, and Garrett gets his wrong. Chris, your question. Kansas finished the 1946 season 7-2-1. and one. Who was their head coach? Kennedy. Not a bad. Oh, no, no, Nick. My bad. Oh, man. I feel so bad for you that Nick just did that to you. That's the worst one to ever do that on. Uh, the correct answer is George Sauer. George Sauer. Right answer there. We'll throw you an extra little McDonald's goodie for that one. My apologies. Oh, man. That's brutal. All right, Garrett. So you clinched the win and you avoid a heart attack right there, but total yeah. points do matter. So for all you know, if there's a collection of two and one teams, this question could be the difference of you getting in or not. Who knows? Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Garrett, your question. Following George Sauer was what head coach who led Kansas to a seven and three season in 1948? Mather. 
Right one this time is Jules Sykes. Jules Sykes. So, Garrett, you come through 9-3. to three. You finish 2-1 and one on the season. Again, we'll, we'll see if that's enough to make the playoffs or not, but uh, you got to be happy with your performance overall in the regular season, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I got nine points every single time, so just staying pretty consistent. Yep. Chris, um, I am so sorry uh, about what happened there for you. Uh, I don't know. Take me through the <laughs> roller coaster of emotions this matchup. That's my bad. I, <laughs> uh, you know, started low and just got lower when you gave me that false hope, but <laughs> this wasn't the year for for football for me. That's right. But like you said, everybody who's part of this getting a t-shirt, everybody who's a part of this is getting some uh, other goodies from McDonald's. So we'll throw you an extra sandwich or something there for uh I'm not sure who's breaking my heart more right now. You were Buddy Healed. Oh, man. <laughs> Buddy Healed, pretty good at basketball, turns out. Uh, well, guys, yeah. I appreciate the time. And, and Garrett, we'll see if we see you during the postseason. Chris, thanks for being a part of this as always. Thanks, Derek. Well, that's uh, that's certainly a tough one for Chris because of you. Dude, okay, listen. Behind the scenes, the buttons are like right next to each other, okay? And so sometimes it's easy. Mm -hmm. I have to like look and make sure I'm hitting the right one. Well, I'm glad you weren't Oppenheimer. <laughs> That's true. Like, you would not want to hit the right button. Okay, why did listen. you send the nuke off now? It's like, Dude, oh, I thought it was the other one. All I'm saying is like a lot of times what I do is, honestly, a lot of times what I do is I will hover the mouse over whichever one I think that the person's going to get so I don't have to think about it very much. So you were expecting so to get right. And so I just had it. No, I don't I don't know why. I just had it. Like I said, they're right next to each other. I don't know what happened. It just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Chris. I feel terrible. Well, you, you should have steered in that. You should have said, I believe in Chris so much that I expected him to get it right, and that's why my hand was hovering over that. Yeah, just to, you know, listen, nobody's perfect. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's a good thing I'm not handling – no nuclear launch codes or anything like that because I might have accidentally done something really terrible, but uh, luckily everything's fine. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, it's all in good fun. All in there good we fun. go. Uh, so tough run for Chris, but he was really good at this last year. Uh, like you said, just not his year. Sometimes life comes up, you're busy, and sometimes the questions don't go your way. He obviously just made a run to the grade eight in basketball. So, you know, he, he at least had a good season there, and, and that's part of it. All right, we do have one more trivia matchup coming at you. Uh, Aaron Mayer going to take on Lane Gillespie for our final trivia matchup of the day here in week three, the final week of the regular season in RCST football trivia. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening to RCST Trivia on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. You can stop by the McDonald's and Mr. D's Auto Wash in Lawrence on 6th Street. It's the uh, same ownership. Get your car looking all spiffy. Uh, go grab some great food over at McDonald's. We're giving away all sorts of great prizes from both of those and all of our uh, trivia sponsors here. So our final matchup of the day is Aaron Mayer versus Lane Gillespie. Aaron's 1-1. One one. Lane is 0-2. Lane going for, you know, kind of the same thing Chris was, uh, that that clinging of hope at 1-2 that, that maybe something can open up uh, more than anything, maybe going for pride and, and to yep. finish on a win. Just getting a W. Aaron does have a chance. He, he had a tough first two rounds. He went from three points to six points, though, so maybe he's loading up a little bit headed into this matchup. Yeah, and, you know, Aaron is a guy that I think is – Definitely very, very dangerous any yes. at any given time. Uh, you know, he's he's clearly got a lot of knowledge. I think he's definitely one of the more veteran players. I think he's been around in trivia both on the basketball and football side for a while. So 
if there's a guy that knows when the time is right to step up and have a big performance, I, I think it's Aaron. Is Aaron the equivalent of, I don't know how well this metaphor is going to work for you. I don't know if you remember this team at all. Okay. Um, there was a Virginia Tech team. In football or basketball? In football, in football. Uh, I'm trying to go with the football metaphor. Could okay. The basketball metaphor would be easy, right? It'd be the team that has a bad non-conference. They start to pick it up in conference play, and then yep. they like win their conference tournament, right? Yep. Well, like basically like Creighton this year. Yeah, sure. That's a good one. Um, but, but clearly you know there's talent there. Um, I think that the Virginia Tech one, there was a year that they lost to an FCS team and Boise State in the first two weeks of the season. And okay. then they like finished the year and they like won the ACC. Won the ACC. Now, to be clear, Aaron has to win today for that streak to continue. I'm just saying we know he knows his stuff and he's a very talented team. So this should be a fun matchup next. Uh, let's get into it. Our third and final trivia matchup of the day features Aaron Mayer, who's 1-1, one one, nine points scored for uh, Aaron so far out of the Mr. D's Auto Wash Conference. Lane Gillespie, 0-2, 15 points scored so far again out of the Mr. D's Auto Wash Conference. So whoever wins this matchup will finish second in the division. Kyle's already clinched the division. Uh, Aaron, 2-1, and one, gives you a shot at, at making the playoffs. Who knows? 1-2 and two with the right amount of points. Lane might give you a shot as well. So, uh, I don't know, still a lot to play for. Pride, obviously, on the line above all else in this matchup. Uh, Lane, so far, you've had pretty decent point totals, just haven't come up with the victories. What are your thoughts on, on how things have gone for you so far, and, and what are your expectations today? Um, I mean, my first couple of weeks have gone decently. I mean, I put on Twitter before this started that I thought I was going to fail miserably. I haven't yet, but, um, you know, I'm still 0-2 so far, so I just I just need to pull off the dub today to stay alive at the very least or have a chance to stay alive. Yeah. Aaron, uh, even though you only had the lower scoring week one, you had a nice little, you know, bounce back last week getting a victory to set yourself up that if you win today, you still have a winning record. So what are your, your kind of thoughts on your outlook here as we head into week three? I'm just going to try to enjoy today. I, I kind of in a situation like the Lions were last year trying to make the playoffs. You got to win today and then hope for five or six other teams to lose in some weird scenarios. So I'm just going to enjoy possibly my last matchup today and hopefully get the dub. All right. Well, uh, so far we're two for two on our Pickers of the coin, picking it right. I don't think we've ever had a day where all three matchups, somebody has correctly chosen what the coin is. Um, Lane, I'm going to give it to you. Do you want heads or tails? Let's go heads. All right. Ah, oh, it's tails. Oh, dang. Tragedy. We had a 50-50 shot. All right. Uh, that means, Aaron, you got the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, I'll go second today. Okay. Lane, that means you'll be up first. We're going to start in the easy quarter. These are worth three points. This Jayhawk running back, who was nicknamed Blank the Bazooka, earned FWAA Freshman All-American honors in 2018. Puka. Yep. Puka, Puka Williams. Yep, Puka the Bazooka. I didn't actually know that he was nicknamed the Bazooka. Yeah, I think so. it was... Uh, it, it took me a second. It was David Lawrence <laughs> of the Jayhawk Radio Network who coined that one. All right, Aaron, your first question. This Jayhawk defensive tackle, whose first name is Daniel, earned all Big 12 honorable mention as a sophomore in 2016. Daniel Wise. Yes, Daniel Wise, and you were a wise man hey, for answering that question. that's starting Chiefs defensive tackle. <laughs> that's right. You. Right now, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Okay, 3-3 three to three the score. We head to the second quarter of play. This is the medium round. They're worth six points. Back to you, Lane. 
Todd Reesing's career high in passing yards was 498 in one game. It occurred in November of 2009 against who? Uh, Iowa State. It's a different Big 12 North school. The right answer was Missouri. That was my second guess. Yep. Those, I feel like all the, the medium questions have come down to like Iowa yep. State, Colorado, Missouri, or Kansas State. And it's just like, which of those four are you going to guess today? Okay. Uh, Aaron, your second question. Take the lead. The last time that Kansas scored 70 or more points in a game was in 2007 against who? Nebraska. That's right. Nebraska is the correct answer there. Obviously, both of those very notable games with Missouri and Nebraska. All right, Aaron, you take a 9-3 to lead as we head into the third quarter play. This is the hard round, and it's worth seven points. Lane, back to you. Who led the 2007 Jayhawks in both tackles and tackles for loss? The Orange Bowl team. Uh... I have a number. I don't think I have a name. So because of that, I'm just going to go with Daryl Stuckey. Right answer is Joe Mortensen, one of the team's linebackers. Yep, Mortensen. Dang it. All right. Had it on the tip of your tongue. Aaron, you can clinch a win if you hit this answer here. On November 1st of 2008, this Jayhawk racked up Five tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, and two forced fumbles to help Kansas beat Kansas State. What's his name? I'm struggling to think of anyone who forced a fumble. Uh, Ten seconds. How many tackles was it? Five tackles, three for loss, uh, and two forced fumbles. Chris Harris. It is another linebacker who was also a linebacker on the Orange Bowl team. It is James Holt. James Holt with the big game for uh, KU against Kansas State. All right, it's 9-3. to three. That keeps you alive, Lane. That means if you can answer this really hard question correctly, you would move in front and put some pressure on Aaron to hit the really hard ground. Lane, your question. In KU's 2019 win over Boston College, what Jayhawk had the first receiving touchdown? Uh, I'm going to go with... Oh, it probably wasn't a receiver, but the receivers are all that I'm thinking of. So, I'm just going to go with Stefan Robinson. The right answer to this one, it was not a receiver. You were you were right with that uh, assumption. It was a backup tight end, Jack Luavasa. Aaron, did you uh, know that one? Okay. Did, did you know that, that answer? Yes. You did. Okay, you were shaking your head like you might have known that. All right. I, well, uh, I put up a T for tight end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, who knows? I, Maybe you can get this one right as well because uh, those points, like you said, the tiebreaker could be important since you have now won this matchup. 
You know, a two and one, you're going for total points. So this could be a big hit for you if you can get it. Aaron, your question. In KU's 2019 win over Boston College, what Jayhawk had the first rushing touchdown? I know Khalil Herbert went off that game. I remember Puka scoring. Oh, um, I think it was a fullback. Ten uh, seconds. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a fullback. Um, it wasn't. I don't think it was Miles. I'm gonna go Hudson Hall. You nailed it. Hudson Hall is the right answer. Just about before the buzzer expired, and that is a huge eight points for you, Aaron. You finish two and one. You score seventeen points here today. If you end up making the playoffs by a tiebreaker, you're going to look back to that question as why. And you knew both really hard, so I think you get a little credit for for both of those. So why did you know that game so well? That that's that was a really fun game to watch. I've I've went back and watched it multiple times just because. We were dead in the water. It was like fourteen nothing in the beginning. We made it. We just laid it on them like the rest of the game. That's that's one of my favorite games to go back and watch. So I I, I don't know why I knew Hudson Hall like how that stuck around in my head, but I did. So I'm, I'm glad I went and rewatched that this summer. You got it, Lane. If you would have got the Hudson Hall one instead on the really hards, would you have gotten that right? Not a chance. Okay. <laughs> so so then losing like this where the opponent knew both the really hards, is that just kind of a, a tip the cap type of moment? You don't feel bad about the loss? Uh, I do feel bad. I'm a little annoyed <laughs> that I uh, botched the the easy question, or not the easy, the medium, medium question, uh, because I I was overthinking a little bit. So That's um, all right. You know, that, and then you gave him the, the Nebraska question, which I got, which I knew easily, but um, – I mean, I would have lost either way, but, you know, it stings a little bit, but it was fun. Yep. So. Well, Aaron, uh, we might see you next week. We might not, but either way, good performance and, and good finish out for you. Who knows? Maybe this you made the Lions uh, illusion. They had a great win to finish off the season. Hopefully this isn't just that, and it means more than that. Yeah, that'd be nice to sneak into the playoffs. I've uh, I listened all last week, and I would have had a couple perfect scores. So. Mm. The the Mondays just weren't working out for me until today, so I don't know. I, I feel good going out on a W if I don't make the playoffs. That's it right. It's a lot of fun, Derek. That's right. Well, guys, we appreciate you both being a part of this. You're you're getting some prizes for for joining along uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, appreciate it. And uh, Aaron, possibly see you next week. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay, so Aaron did it. Aaron got the victory. He is now alive to possibly make the playoffs. At this point, with two teams who are one and one winning today to go to two and one, that's bad. It's if you're zero and two, that probably does not yeah. bode well for you being able to make the playoffs at one and two. Yeah, shout out to Lane. Lane is always the guy that comes out, fiery competitor. Yep, yep, competes every single week. Uh, wish him the best and glad he was able to join it again. I, you know, he joined for basketball and, and I, he got a win in basketball, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, and then uh, you know, joined football. He so got close to winning. We his loved, second game too. We love to see guys continuing to come back and, and play. You know, that's we like to see that. So shout out to Lane. Uh, but yeah, for Aaron. That was a pretty good, pretty good win, and that's so funny that just randomly he like knew the Boston College game <laughs> really, really well, which is just like you know it was a fun game, but it's just kind of funny that it randomly like that was a game where he seemed to know have a lot of knowledge of. So a uh, good hit there on the really hard, and yeah, Aaron's a guy that I'd like to see in the playoff. I, I think 
I think, like I said, I think he's got the knowledge. He's peaking at the right time. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And he's someone, if you're a, a team in the playoffs, you're like, I don't want to see Yeah, him. exactly. Because yeah, he's exactly. going to be underseated. And if we make a basketball analogy, it's like some of those years that you always complain about John Calipari having all this talent, and then they get a six seed, <laughs> and they go on a run in the NCAA tournament because they had yeah, the talent ridiculous. of a one seed, right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Or Tom Izzo with Michigan State. Yeah. Well, they so, suck. That could be Aaron. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's mm-hmm. a great coach in March. No, he's a bad coach for the whole season. And then he gets a bad season and he gets to win some games against some random teams that suck. He's got to get in, though. Uh, so right now we have Blake won the McDonald's conference. Kyle won the Mr. D's Auto Wash conference. And then in second place for the McDonald's conference is Garrett Hart. He went 2-1. and one. He has 27 total points. Aaron Mayer, second to the Mr. D's Auto Wash conference, with 26 points at 2-1. and one. So right now, those two guys have a chance at 2-1, and one, but Garrett with one extra point over Aaron could be the difference if it does come down to that one spot. But uh, we'll wait and see. We have plenty more matchups to come this week that is all going to determine all this stuff, and uh, we're looking forward to it. If today was any indicator how the rest is going to go, uh, it should be a really fun week. All right, RCST Football Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern, Jayhawk Trophy, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We have more trivia coming at you on tomorrow's show. Uh, but coming up next, we want to talk more about the Jalen Daniels situation with him dealing with uh, some back tightness, back injury, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we also are going to get into some more Lance Leipold audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, we talked a lot about the Puerto Rico action for KU today, falling short, but Dewan Harris was excellent. Hunter Dickinson had a great week. If you miss any more of our conversation about uh, the basketball side of things, check it out in the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you find any of your podcasts. You know, something we haven't actually have a, had a chance to talk about yet today. It's been such a packed show. Big 12 did officially add Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the the Utah stuff, I guess they saw the check and got over themselves about <laughs> all the problems they had. Yeah. So, okay, serious question. Which fan base will be more annoying, Utah or UCF? Central Florida. So. Mm-hmm. Central Florida and UU. The Golden Knights. Yeah, and UU. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just probably the combination is, is going to be pretty brutal, to be honest. At least, <laughs> I'm actually yeah, really excited know. though because uh, the BYU for people maybe that don't realize it, the BYU Utah rivalry Huge. is maybe the biggest rivalry like in all of college sports. To be honest, like in terms of just pure how much the two sides yes. just absolutely despise each other. No, it's it's like I, the Kansas Missouri rivalry from that regard. Yeah, and like that yes. there's actual historical. Yes, it's not just we hate each other because we've been playing sports for a hundred years. No, there's like other. literally yes. yeah, like major major. Deep, deep mm-hmm. rivalry there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually excited for that from the Big 12 standpoint because now I think people will get exposed to it. They'll watch it and be like, dude, these guys, like, yeah. they get after it. It's insane. Yeah, they do. Uh, so I don't know. That's that's cool they're adding. We'll see if they add any more. There's been some talk and some people arguing there against a, it. Actually, I don't know if you saw this. This was uh, earlier this afternoon. Uh, the Athletic reported that possibly the ACC is looking to add uh, Sanford and Cal, I believe. Well, that would be very interesting. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's those to be left over. Oregon State and Washington State, what's going to happen to them? Is Pac-12 going to merge with the Mountain West? Is Pac-12 going to try to add schools in the Mountain West? Is the Big 12 done adding? Are they going to add San Diego State, UConn? Are they going to add some of those Pac-12 schools? Are they going to try to bring on some schools at a discounted rate where they're like, hey— you're only going to make $25 million as opposed to 32 or something like that, but you can join the conference if you want. I don't know. There's a lot that uh, remains to be seen, and, and certainly there's a lot of avenues the Big 12 can go, but they're sitting good right now with 16 schools so far. Okay, uh, 
the big stuff uh, from today for KU football was involving Jalen Daniels. So yeah. uh, Jalen Daniels did not participate in practice today um, due to what Lance Leipold was terming as kind of like back tightness. Back tightness basically yeah. a back injury, I guess is another way of putting it. Um, Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star asked Lance Leipold about it and uh, just kind of an interesting feedback from, from Lance Leipold that I want to get into. Here's the clip from earlier today. Is there kind of a, a timeline with this back tightness thing? No, this is it. Thing? No, we're we're just you know seeing where you know it's. A, I trust the training staff. You know, he threw some yesterday, and then you know we're going through. It's you know there's you don't want this with any of our guys, but you know Luke Grimm's kind of been slowed down. This guy, you know, there's different things, and I'm sure I'm going to have a list here at one o'clock when we meet as a staff with with, with some other little bumps and bruises. Got to be smart. What are we going to fight through? What can be monitored? Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, um, nothing to be, you know, if I'm saying it, uh, you know, a week or so from now, then, then then we can probably dive in deeper. Okay, so a couple things there. The part where he says, if things are basically this way a week from now, we can dive in deeper, that implies to me a couple things. One, that there is a bit of, uh, gosh, I don't know, uh, kind of viewing how things go for this week in time with Jalen Daniels, seeing how the back works and, and how he responds to treatment before they can they can feel like they, they make a, a good estimation on what's going on. And or, and maybe this is the way that I'm even more looking at it, that I don't think Lance Leipold views this to be a huge deal. I don't think this is viewed to be a big injury because if he's saying if it's like this in a week, we'll deal with it then. That kind of implies to me that he doesn't think it's going to be like this in a week. I might just be, you know, overreading into comments and words, but like <clears throat> the way I view it is they don't expect Jalen Daniels to be gone that long and this yeah. not to be a big deal. Yeah, I think this is definitely a situation where for the time being, I think you just have to kind of trust what Lance Leipold is mm-hmm. saying and that this doesn't seem like it's going to be something that's going to be a long term problem. Doesn't seem like it's something that's going to be holding Jalen Daniels out for an extended period during fall camp or leading into the season. So I I don't think yeah that, that's kind of how I viewed it. And I didn't have any real alarm bells ringing about this uh, because it didn't seem like Lance Leipold really was that concerned about it. Now obviously you know we're not privy to behind the scenes. We don't know what's going on with the training staff. Maybe maybe it is something a little more serious, but that's just not the vibe that's really being given right now. And and, and again, I think some of this kind of goes back to I think there is a a bit of a heightened sense of. Uh, that this type of thing regarding Jalen Daniels because of kind of what transpired last season with his injury and how it was kind of maybe the reporting on it, then there was some pushback, then there was some back and forth, and then it ended up being he was able to return. So I think maybe from Katie's perspective, they because of last season, they maybe are playing it closer to the vest than they yeah. might have otherwise done because of kind of how things unraveled last season with, with how that went down. So I don't know You're if talking that, from like a, a PR reporting exactly, perspective. Yeah, yeah not yeah. just... Jalen Daniels passes. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Uh, so I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what how much that played into kind of because I think KU, I, I think KU hoped that this was going to be a non-story uh, because they didn't say anything about him not being well, about him not playing at practice. He was supposedly there, but I think they were just kind of hoping. I guess no one would notice and that it just wouldn't, it wouldn't even register with anybody. Uh, so I, I think they're really, really trying to downplay this. And that could be because, again, it could be because it may, it's not that serious or, you know, whatever reason they, they want to do that. So he mentioned how Jalen Daniels was throwing yesterday. And so, uh, yeah, I just 
I'm not gonna get myself too worked up about this for the time being until like basically until like Lance Leipold said, if next week comes around and Jalen Daniels is still dealing with it or whatever the issue may be, and there's more to talk about then because th- this to me, I kind of mentioned this back earlier on the show, but you know in in athlete in athletics now, especially at this level where listen, everybody has some sort of issue. Everybody's dealing with something. Everybody has something, and it's not always reported. It's not always on the injury report. And this could be a situation where if KU was playing a game today or if KU was going to play a game tomorrow, they wouldn't even mention it. This would be a non-discussion. Jalen Daniels would just be playing. Uh, That seems like maybe it could be kind of the vibe I'm getting from this. So, you know, but there's no reason to really have, you know, push a guy through that in training camp, right? So Mm -hmm. if you do, you want to make sure he's 100%. So, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. For now, yeah, I'm definitely not concerned. I guess we'll see if more comes of it throughout this week and if something happens, you know, beyond that in the next week, like Lance Leipold said. For now, I think it's just kind of a – I'm not too concerned. Yeah, so that, that, that's where I'm at too. If we are here next week and he's still not practicing, then it becomes a bit of a concern. Um, I, I guess the one thing for me that does make this a, a tad more concerning, if this was something that just happened to – basically any other player on the team. And I don't just mean that because this is the quarterback, but I mean that because you go back and you look at Jalen Daniels' history. Year one is a true freshman, 2020, the COVID year. Starts playing by, I don't know what, second, third week of the season. He's the starter under Les Miles, and um, he's a 17-year-old. He gets injured, right, later in the season. Go to 2021. New staff arrives. He gets injured in training camp. And that forces him to miss a couple weeks to where he can't show what he, you know, does. And, and that helps Jason Bean become the starting quarterback because, you know, best ability is availability in that regard, especially when a staff hasn't seen you long. So that's another year where you have an injury there. Then you go to last year. You obviously have the separated shoulder injury. Now you go to this year, you have the back tightness stuff. It's it's scary from a standpoint, and, and I'm not like trying to blame Jalen Daniels. I do think there's this level of sometimes with athletes, uh, we as people who talk about it, fans, so forth, you can get too tied in with the idea of oh yeah, it's very easy. This to de- player stinks because very- he's always injured, and it's like it's yeah. not his fault. It's, it's very easy. Fault. It's very easy to dehumanize. Yes, that. so uh, that's not what I'm trying to get to, and the, uh, that's not what I'm trying to say. And again, this could be nothing and lead to nothing over the course of the season. I'm just saying that is why it worries me a little bit more because we have seen in the past this unbelievably talented quarterback for KU that is the preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. If he gets hurt, you have a good backup option. Jason Bean is a great Big 12 backup, but there still is a level of what Jalen Daniels provides. And if you're not going to have Jalen Daniels at any point in the season, it severely changes how you would look at this team. It severely changes how many wins you might expect them to have, right? So... Um, it's it's scary because to me it's it's under the the element of like where there's smoke there's fire, right? It, it's you go into this year and a lot of the offseason talk was how do we make Jalen Daniels bulletproof? Yeah, right. And to suffer an injury even if it is minor, only a week or two into camp, when that was the goal, it's it's, it's a little concerning. It's concerning, right? Yeah, it, concerning it shows that there's a little. It's, it shows that there's a little, uh, you know, it's it's the the weak spot all, of the dragons. So not speak, all sunshine right? like, and rainbows. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it might be it might be nothing. This might not lead to anything that affects the season. It's just when when you add it up with some of the best past stuff, it's like okay, well, I don't love that. Yeah. Because again, if let's say Jason Bean were the starter and and he had this happen to him, 
Jason Bean, we haven't had like the past injury stuff. We'd just be like, well, that's not great, but I think it'll be okay. Yeah. That, that that's how I feel with this. Yeah, I think concerning is definitely the right the right phrase. But I don't think there's any reason to like panic or be overly alarmed by this right now. But you're right. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, injuries suck and they, they can happen to anybody, but if it if it's something where it's a recurring issue where, you know, you're unable to to maintain health and stay on the field for a full season, that impacts everything, right? That impacts the team, that impacts Jalen Daniels personally from, you know, his if he wants to continue his career further professionally. I mean, that's that's a real issue. Uh, and it's something that definitely needs to be monitored. So, yeah, it's it's I think the combination of that, his injury history, plus kind of what happened with his injury last year and how it ended up being handled one way or the other with the reporting and whatnot, I think maybe that has some people more on edge than you otherwise might be with something like this. I mean, and also, listen, that's the face of your program right there. Yep. That, that is that is the face of your program, 100%. I mean, he's charismatic. He's fun. He's easy to be around. He gives great quotes. He's great with the media. He's the face of the program, and that also adds to it as well. You know, I mean, I, if this was if this was any other guy with back tightness missing one day of practice, you no. wouldn't be that concerned. No, and it, it's also with the back. It's it's one of those things where it's like you know people who have bad back injuries that stuff tends to not go away over the course of time. But also there are small back injuries that do. I I went back to I made the you know comp earlier in the show. Travis Kelsey Dude. had back spasms randomly one day before the AFC Championship. He was fine. Dude, right? I woke up it, last week. I slept wrong and I had back tightness. Exactly. I mean, what are we doing here? Well, that's just because we're getting old. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're 100 percent right. Like it just happens sometimes. So it might be it might be nothing. We'll see. Uh, now some other notes from uh, his presser. We'll get to the rest of it coming up in our next segment. Luke Grimm. You also heard him kind of mention he's injured. Uh, we don't really know the extent of that. That would certainly be a big loss if if he had to miss any time. But again, that could be in the same category as Jalen Daniels, where yeah. it's just something small. Um, how about this? When when he mentioned, and I can't remember if this is audio we already played or, or we're going to play. He mentioned Armaj Reed Adams having a pretty much a good chance to start based on his performance so far in camp. I the offensive line is is very difficult to figure out who the starters are. That might yeah, be the most yeah. difficult position to figure out the starters. Yeah, I mean, I think it, at this point we we're pretty confident Dominic Pooney is going to be playing left left tackle. tackle. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yep. I think the the right tackle position at this point is probably for Bryce Cable do to take, but still we'll wouldn't shock me Logan if it were Brown Baines or Logan Brown. Correct. But yeah, yeah, I do I do think Baines. you're right. It feels like Cable obviously you have Mike Nowitzki. Which by the way, did you know they call him Dirk? Yeah, is that because of Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki? Nowitzki? Okay, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah, so a lot of guys will just refer to them as that, and then they're like, oh, you might yeah. not know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, so yeah, you feel good that Nowitzki starting at center, Pooney starting at left tackle. Like if I'm giving a confidence, it's the two guard scale, spots. Let's go with this confidence scale: one through ten. Ten being you would. Bet your car on it, okay? Yes. Uh, I would go with, and and this is obviously, you know, minus like injury or something like that happened, yeah. just based on performance and everything being okay outside of that. Yeah, Mike Davitz gets centers a ten. Ten, yeah, right. Dominic Pooney at left tackles probably like an eight or a nine. nine. Yeah. yeah, at this point, Bryce Cable do at right tackles probably six or seven. Six. Yeah, six. Um, and then with then the have guard like, position, you have like Michael Ford, Amarjo Reed Adams, uh, Spencer Lavelle, Lavelle can play the guard. Spot you could play Kobe Baines at one of the guard yeah, spots. The the, the two guard spots seem right? like they're kind of open. So I guess if you're asking right now, based on these comments, I'd probably give Armaj Reed Adams a five. Okay, it could also be comments to try to motivate some other guys. Who knows? Um, and then I would probably go with Ford as also like a five and a half at the other guard spot. Yeah, but I don't feel great about it. 
Either way, though, that that possible, but that, you don't feel great about it in a good way. In the no, sense no, of you yeah, have yeah. a lot of. I don't a, feel great in trying very to predict talented guys, it. and you know that the O line is going to be looking pretty solid. It's just a question of yes. who fits in. Where. Yes, I don't feel great about predicting it. I feel yeah. great about the actual position group. And I mean, yeah. going back to it, if that is your starting five, that means your backup five to some degree is like Logan Brown, Kobe Baines, Spencer Lavelle. Dre Dorian, who started, you know, double-digit games at Buffalo, and then somebody else. I don't know if it'd be like James Livingston or Nolan Gorchicka or something like that. Yeah. That backup offensive line is better than a lot of past KU football starting offensive lines. Yeah. Over the last decade plus, which is crazy. Yeah. And there was quite a bit of talk about Calvin Clements, especially from the players, yeah. uh, which we'll get to that audio later in the week. But sounds like Calvin Clements is, is coming along pretty nicely as well, and he could be a guy that not this year, maybe even not next year, but down the line. Could be a, a real anchor player. at the uh, tackle position. Yep. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We got more of that Lance Leipold audio coming at you next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page, at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.